Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. The moment I had signed the sales contract for the old farmhouse, I'd been happier than I was in years. You see, in life, I did everything right. I heeded the advice of my teachers and parents. After I'd finished school, I went on to university and got my degree in business. I graduated with honors and started working at a fancy company. And after a decade and a half, I'd climb high enough on the corporate ladder to be head of the sales department. It meant quite the salary, but also more responsibility and more hours on the job. During these years, I moved into a newer, fancier place every couple of years, bought more luxuries, but spent less and less time home enjoying it all. And with each passing year, I grew to hate my life a little bit more. I hated my job, my apartment, and even the overcrowded city I lived in. I was yearning for a break and for some quiet and solitude. And when my uncle Dennis died, I was surprised to be named the sole benefactor. Apparently, he had no other relatives but me. Selling most of his property left me with a substantial sum. With the savings I already had, I decided it was time for a change. I had long dabbled with the idea of moving to a rural area, growing my own vegetables, get a few chickens and live a self-sustaining lifestyle far away from the big city. It had always been something I was interested in, sort of fantasy. But reality was different. There were always deadlines to make, projects to finish and contracts to discuss and sing time moved along, and year after year I did nothing. Now though, enough was enough. I didn't want to end up like the people who'd finally made it to retirement, only to realize that they were now too old and feeble to follow their dreams. When I quit my job, my boss was surprised and flabbergasted. Of course, I still had my termination period of four weeks, but most of that time was spent making adjustments. While my boss was busy finding a replacement for me, I started to look around for a promising property. After a week of searching, I found it. It was an old farmhouse with quite a few plots around. It was located in a small village near a mountainous area. Until years ago, it had been owned by a woman, but after she died, her son had put it up for sale. 
When I visited the place, I saw that it was old and not just a bit run down, but I was sure all this could be fixed. My last day of work arrived quickly. It was a few weeks later that I finally signed the sales contract and started to move what few belongings I wanted to keep to the old farmhouse. And once I'd put together some sort of temporary living quarters, I decided it was time to move in. I tried my hands at remodeling the old house myself, but I was soon reminded that I never had any talent using my hands. In the end, I gave up in frustration and contracted a company for it. It took another couple of weeks, but once they were done, the place looked nice, cozy, and modern. After the repairs on the chicken coop were finished, I bought half a dozen chickens and a rooster. By now, I decided it was time to visit what few neighbors I had. To the north of me, quite a bit away, lived an older lady and next to her, a middle-aged couple whose kids went to middle school. After my initial introductions, I didn't have much to do with them. To the south lived an older couple, the Richters. They lived in a huge old farmhouse. They used to be farmers themselves when they were younger, but had since retired. They were nice and assured me they'd help out if I ever had any problems. And after that, there was only one person left. The old man living in the farm to the east of me. It was an older man who I guessed was in his late 50s or early 60s. He owned the fields adjacent to mine. Only a small dirt road divided our properties and I'd seen him from afar a few times, but whenever I'd greeted him, he'd ignore me. His face was hard as if carved from stone. His lips were always pressed together, and he had a perpetually angry expression. The moment I tried walking towards his farm, he tried his best to ignore me, and when he saw that I walked right towards him, he turned to me. His face showed that he'd rather do anything else but to talk to me. Hey there, I'm Daniel Langsheed. I bought the... No damn well who you are. You're the guy who bought the Lisbeth's old house and made it all fancy and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it's nice to meet you. And with that, I held out my hand for a greeting. He didn't budge or even look at the hand I was awkwardly holding out in the empty air between us. Why'd you move here? I was going to try my luck at farming. I always wanted to grow my own. I broke as the old man burst into laughter. You? <laughs> oh, farming? Well, your hands are as soft as a girl's. Well, this land is tough. I'll tell you right away that you won't grow a damn thing here. Now, we don't need no city folks like that out here. And with that, he spat on the ground in front of me and without another word made his way towards his shack. For a while, I stood there looking after the old man. I was nothing short of surprised and dumbfounded. Why'd he thrown so much hate at me? What the hell was his problem? More than a bit mad, I went back home. What had I done to get this type of reaction? In the end, I told myself that he was most likely a miserable old fool, who hated himself and the people in general. Not my problem. And from that point onward, I tried my best to get the farm going. My knowledge was limited, though, 
minimal. The internet with its endless information is fantastic, but it was all second-hand knowledge. I soon realized that if I ever wanted to learn how to do anything, I'd have to get my own hands dirty. I started with the old lady's small garden and planted a variety of different vegetables. The month after, I got the old greenhouse running again. I soon had to learn that real life was no harvest moon. Running a farm and growing vegetables was tough work. Needless to say, things didn't grow well at all. It was at a later meeting with Hans Richter and his wife that I learned that the ground here wasn't the best. They didn't know what it was, but almost everyone had trouble getting things to grow. You need a lot of care and fertilizer if you want it to succeed. A decade ago, a few small-time farmers were still living here, and as things got harder, most of them abandoned the trade. Some turned to raise livestock, others changed to different professions. There was only one single person whose fields were still flourishing. Old Werners. Turned out that the old man was no other than my next door neighbor, and when I told the Richters how my introduction went with him, they both started to laugh. Werner was a bitter old man. He didn't like people and had lived alone most of his life. He was a very solitary man, and when I asked if something happened to him, they both said no. It was just how he was. I'd be best to ignore him. And that's what everybody else did anyway. As I said, I took things slow, worked the garden, studied different types of seeds, and how to take care of crops and many other farming topics. It was early summer by then, too late to actually grow anything in the fields, so I let them lay fallow for the year. As summer moved along, though, I was surprised to see how the old man's fields were bursting with ripe grain and vegetables. I mean, sure, they told me the old man was doing all right, but what I saw was more than that. No, he seemed to be doing pretty damn well. I could barely get a couple of tomato plants to bear fruit in the greenhouse, and yet he had fields of them. Harvest came and went. I was frustrated at my own inability to grow anything, but also impressed at how well he was doing. I didn't like it one bit. A summer turned to autumn. There was one thing I found a bit strange. I often caught the old guy driving out into the middle of the night and returning back home a few hours later. I'd notice it by accident when I was out one night. I decided to take a walk in the mild autumn air and to gaze at the stars. I was on my way to the local viewing platform when a car approached me from behind. Its headlights were off, and it sped past me, yet I was sure I'd seen old Werner. I didn't think anything of it, yet I wondered why he drove around without his headlights on. Now my first thought was that he'd forgotten them, or hell, he might just be an asshole who liked to scare people. But in time, I learned that the old man was making these ominous trips frequently, always in the middle of the night, and still without his headlights on. There was no other explanation. He was trying not to get noticed. Well, to be honest, it's none of my business. 
I told myself to ignore him and his weird antics, yet I couldn't help but find it unnerving. I started to wonder what reason he had for this strange nightly trips. It didn't help that he kept it up all autumn and continued well into early winter. It was a sheer mystery to me. Once the new year began and spring came around, I started to do the same as all the other farmers. I started working my fields. I got quite a few stares and scoffs from old man Werner. Many snide remarks were directed at me, or I'd seen him laugh his ass off when things didn't work out for me. To tell you the truth, I tried my very best to stay above this petite behavior. Every once in a while, though, I couldn't help but yell back something similar. I'd had a few very long talks with Hans Richter, and he'd been paying me the occasional visit. He helped me to get things going, advised me on when to grow what, what fertilizer to use, and so many other important things. I have no clue what I would have done without him. He was a godsend. But still, it didn't matter all too much. Things just didn't grow. Each day I walked the fields looking at rows upon rows of barren earth. Only here and there a few lonely plants were growing. Old Werner's fields, on the other hand, were thriving. And of course, the old man wasn't shy about rubbing it in. These city folks just don't have it in you. That's what it is. He'd shout over at me and start laughing. At other times, he was a condescending asshole, pitying me. That's as far as you'll get. If I were you, well, I'd give up while I still could. Ain't no reason to keep trying. I hated that damn old man. Anyway, one day after I watered the few lonely plants that were growing, he came over to pull another one of his nasty jokes. You shouldn't water them too much. Don't want these few plants you accidentally got to grow to go to waste, now do you? How the hell do you do it? I asked instead of reacting to his remark. And he just stared at me. How come all your crops are growing so well when no one else can do it? And don't give me this city folk bullshit. Everyone else tells me they've got trouble as well. The old man's face started to distort into a knowing grin, yet he said nothing. Now that moment I remembered how often I'd seen him walk the fields with these unnamed bags of fertilizer. Is it that fertilizer you use? <laughs> Not as dumb as you look, he answered. So what sort of fertilizer is it, Werner? You make it yourself? What do you put into it? The old man burst out laughing. Oh, you think I'm going to tell you a damn thing about it? Oh, I don't think so, he said, spitting on the ground. This is my very own special formula. You've no idea what I'm going through to make it, to perfect it. Now, before I tell anyone, especially you, I'd rather have the devil take me away. And without another word, he turned around and stormed back to his farm. As the weeks went on, most of my fields lay barren. The old mans were covered in lush green like they'd been the year before. What the hell was in that fertilizer of his, I wondered. 
It was some time later when I visited the Richters that I saw the local newspaper on the kitchen table. I half-heartedly opened it, and an article caught my eye. Middle-aged woman still missing since last autumn. The article was about a woman, mother of two, who'd gone missing on a hiking trip in the nearby area. Last year, and when I started reading, Susan, Han's wife, came over. Such a sad story. I wonder why it keeps happening. Wait, hold on. What do you mean? Oh, it's those hiking paths near the mountains. Each year, people vanish there. The authorities say it's slippery slopes, and people aren't careful enough. And I wonder why they don't close it off. Ah, uh, really is something, her husband said. They always warn hikers and climbers, but people won't listen. A mother of two. God, what was she even thinking? I listened to them and learned that more than a dozen people had gone missing near the mountain range. Last year, it hadn't only been the woman, but an older man as well. They said it was almost inevitable that people went missing there. Of course, people talked to the local council, but they didn't listen. The normal hiking paths and climbing locations were safe and secure, and there were enough warnings about straying from the paths. As I listened to them, there was something in the back of my mind. Something that I couldn't quite grasp. Only when I returned home and saw old man Werner stalking around his fields, did I remember what it was. The woman that had gone missing in autumn. Wasn't that the time he went out on all those trips? I realized what my brain was trying to put together, and the more I thought about it, the more everything did fit together. He drove out in the middle of the night, headlights off to an unknown location, and there was this special fertilizer of his. Now for a moment I couldn't help but imagine old man Werner out on the hiking pass at night searching for lonely wanderers to turn them into fertilizer. <laughs> uh, but what was I thinking? I almost burst out laughing at my own ridiculous idea. This wasn't a movie. This was real life. Somehow, though, I couldn't completely get rid of the idea. I don't know why I did it, but I started to spy on the old man. It might have been my frustration. It might have been boredom. It might have been the resentment I felt towards him. I don't know. It was not that I believed in my idea. It was way too far-fetched. I told myself that all I wanted was to figure out how he grew his crops and what sort of fertilizer he used. I knew I was only lying to myself, though. Now I thought there was more about this old fool, his strange behavior, and that fertilizer of his. The more I thought about it, the more I was able to convince myself. You see, whenever I saw him out in the fields, applying his fertilizer, my thoughts went back to the same topic. I told myself, just stop and leave it alone, but I just couldn't. It wasn't long before my curiosity turned into an obsession, and I started to take tabs on him. I took notes on how often he went out, when he got up in the morning, how long he stayed up in the evening, and many other things. It wasn't like I had much else to do anyway. 
Most of my fields resembled a barren wasteland. After a few weeks, I had this whole routine written down. I knew pretty much everything that went on at his farm. So, I was more than a bit surprised when I saw him drive out with his car in the middle of the night on a Saturday. He hadn't done that in the past five weeks, and it was by sheer coincidence that I'd even noticed it. And it was early morning when he returned. I saw him get out of his car, but instead of going back inside, he went to the back of the car and opened up the trunk. I sat in the dark of the night, hunched behind my window. I pressed my binoculars against my head so hard, it hurt. My whole body tensed up and I didn't dare move or breathe. In horror, I watched how old Werner dragged something out of the trunk. It was long big and covered in a thick blanket. I watched as he heaved it over his shoulder. As he took a first step towards his shack, I saw something long and thin dangle from the pack. Oh, Jesus Christ, I thought. Don't tell me. Was that what I thought it was? Had I really seen that? No, 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 no. I must be wrong. I was seeing things. Maybe I'd imagined it. But what I'd seen dangling, it couldn't be. I thought back to the lady in the newspaper article. Is this another one? Another victim? Another ingredient for his fertilizer? I had to go and find out more. I should take a look at the shack. And the moment I saw how old man Werner returned from his shack, all thoughts about going there completely left my mind. It was dark, but in the moonlight, I could clearly see that his hands and lower arms were covered in something. I saw his dark, angry expression as he made his way back to his house. My whole body was filled with fear. For the first time in my entire life, I was honestly and utterly terrified. I couldn't help the urge to hide as soon as he walked back to his house. I knew there was a reason for it. The old guy couldn't possibly see me. I had the lights off, and I was way too far away for him to notice anything at the windows. Once he'd vanished inside, I started to calm down. At least a bit. My mind was still a crazed whirlwind of contradicting ideas. One part of it said I was stupid and nothing was going on. The other part told me that old man Werner was a crazed serial killer. Even in bed, I couldn't calm down, and it took me a long time till I actually fell asleep. When the rooster awoke me in the morning, I was thankful that the few hours of sleep I had were undisturbed and free from dreams about bloodied old men. While I was drinking my morning coffee, I was watching his house as I'd done every morning for the past few weeks. As if nothing had happened last night, the old man went out to take care of his fields. Now this guy really murdered someone last night and dragged the body into his shack. As I sat there, I was almost shaking with curiosity. I had to find out. I knew that every week on Sunday evening, he spent an hour or two at his shack. And during that time, he most likely mixed up his fertilizer. Once he was done, he went back to his house and most likely straight to bed. This might be the best chance to see what he's up to in there. 
The whole day I was antsy and I couldn't sit still. I made plans on what I'd do, how I'd approach, and how I'd find the bloodied body laying on the floor of the shack. When the day finally turned to night, I turned off the lights to my house to give him the impression I went to bed early. He'd believe it, and I was sure. You see, us city folks don't work as hard as he did, was what he most likely thought in his arrogance. All the while, I sat at my window watching him with my binoculars. My cue was when the lights of the shack turned off, and the old man went back into his house. I dressed in all black, and after waiting for another half an hour, I made my way outside. With low and quiet steps, I made my way over to his place. For the first time, I wasn't mad at how well his corn had grown. It allowed me to get near his house without having to hide. Once I was closer, I checked out his farmhouse from between the corn. The lights were off. There were no sounds, and nothing was moving. It was clear that the old man must have gone to bed. To be on the safe side, I still waited for another ten minutes. When they'd passed, I'd rushed to his shack. My heart was beating heavily when I'd made it, and everything stayed quiet. Now, I wasn't too surprised to find the door locked by a padlock, even though I knew there was no way that I'd be able to open it. I hadn't imagined that I'd be lucky enough to find the door unlocked anyways. No, I went for the window of the shack that I was able to see from my house. I knew it would be locked too, but it was one of these old wooden windows. It consisted of two shutters and was only held shut by a metal bolt in the center. I might be able to pry it open wide enough to loosen the bolt and open it. I pried away the two shutters from one another until I could fit my finger in between. At that point, I knew where the bolt was. I'd have to be careful. If I broke the window, the old man would hear me without a doubt. And after a nerve-wracking minute of toying around with a couple of tools, I finally loosened the bolt and the window opened. I scanned the window frame in the area below and once I saw that there was nothing I could topple over, I climbed on inside. Now that shack was a lot larger than I imagined. For now, all I saw were shelves filled with tools and various other things, and step by step, I'd made my way through the place, scanning it. In the end, I took out a small flashlight I'd brought to give things a closer look. It was a sort of mixing station at the end of the shack. To be honest, it was nothing but an old workbench, but on it was an assortment of things. There were containers of various chemicals and fertilizers, a sack of bone meal and a few bags of his complete fertilizer mixture. As I looked on, I noticed something next to the workbench. It was a sort of a metal composter as well as a freezer combined, cramped into the corner next to it. The composter was quite modern. It was most likely one of those quick composters. I'd read about them. My skin started to crawl as I stared at it. I took a deep breath, and after toying with it for a bit, I figured how to open it. 
The instant it opened, I almost vomited. The smell alone was enough to make me wretch. When I looked inside, I saw bloody guts and a few pieces of half-rotten meat. Fucking hell. I cursed and stumbled back in shock and disgust. I crashed straight into the assortment of containers on the workbench. A number of them clattered to the ground in an ear-shattering noise. My eyes grew wide. You goddamn idiot, what the hell did you just do? I turned off the flashlight and waited. Oh god, please. I hoped. Please, make him stay asleep. I waited for almost a half a minute, praying that old man Werner would stay asleep. My prayers weren't answered, and my heart almost stopped when I heard the front door of his house open. God damn it. What's going on out there? If it's you damn kids again, I... He said nothing else. Oh shit. Did he see the window? I tried to think. I tried to remember if I closed it after me, but I couldn't. And for all I knew, the two window shutters might still be wide open. Is someone out there? I heard his voice. Then his footsteps came closer. I dare you. Whoever the devil you are, you show yourself. I didn't move. I hoped against all certainty that he'd go back to his house. But only a moment later, I heard him from the side of the shack. You've got to be kidding me. He must have seen the open window. I could already hear him rummage with the padlock. Now or never, I thought. There was no way I could explain this to him. I was back at the window, tried to get up, but before I could do any more than to put my own foot into the window frame, the door opened, and in one swift motion, he hit the light switch and saw me standing there, dressed in all black, trying to flee the scene. Now what in the hell are you doing in my shack? Then the smell hit him, and his anger turned to pure rage. You, you goddamn... But in his rage, he couldn't even finish his sentence anymore. In his blind rage, he picked up the first tool he could, a rake, and came swinging after me. There was no way I'd make it out in time. I barely ducked away and fled to the back of the shack. No, don't. I swear, I, I didn't see anything. I only... But I didn't get the chance to finish, as I had to dodge another hit of the rake. Finally, he saw the open composter and the disturbance on the workbench. You just had to know, didn't you? You just couldn't let it be. Do you have any idea on what I went through to finish this? One decade, one whole goddamn decade, and now you're trying to steal it. What the hell? Had he just admitted to what I thought he had? That's it. You're the last person to ever barge in here when I swear by it. And with that, he threw the rake to the ground and came at me himself. He almost jumped me and only now did I realize that old man Werner might have been an old man. But god damned was he strong. A life of farming had made his body stout and hardened his muscles. All I was able to do was struggle against him and keep him from overpowering me. 
I clung to sheer desperation as I was pushed back against the workbench. His eyes were wide open, and a moment later he raised one of his hands and hit me square in the face. Twice. When I stumbled, he closed his hands around my neck. I couldn't breathe. Only at this moment did I realize that he was really going to kill me. That I was going to die. Stars appeared in front of my eyes, but there was nothing I could do. I twitched in his iron-hard grip, grasped blindly around for something, anything. And my hands closed around something hard and cold, and with all the power I could muster, I swung it into the direction of Old Man Werner. There was a nasty sound, and the old man screamed. Only when I swung it a second time did I see what I was already holding. It was an old mallet, and for a moment I saw the surprise in his eyes, and his grip loosened, only to close once more even harder. In his fury, he wasn't just trying to strangle me anymore. No, he was going to break my neck by sheer force. And so, again and again, I hit him with the mallet, and after three more hits... His grip finally loosened, and he slumped down and fell to the ground. As I looked down at his head, I saw a nasty inward bump at the top where I'd hit him. What surprised me the most, though, was all the blood that still kept gushing forward. Time stood still, as if in a trance I watched the blood flow from his unmoving body. It must have been only seconds before I realized what I'd done, but to me, well, it felt like an eternity. The bloody mallet clattered to the floor, and I pushed old Werner's body away from me. I started shaking, almost screaming. I'd killed him. I'd murdered someone. I had done the right thing, though. I mean, hadn't I? He would have killed me. He had killed other. The guts, the meats, the, the freezer... I, there was no doubt, and I, I did it in self-defense. When I opened the freezer, my world crumbled apart. What I found inside wasn't a corpse, neither was a body parts. It was a dead animal. In the freezer were the remains of a deer. Part of its lower half was missing, and his innards were carved out. The blood and guts I'd seen. But what about the arm I'd witnessed last night, though? It must have been, but... Then I saw the legs of the deer. What I'd seen had been a long, thin body part. And only the dark of night and my wild imagination had transformed it into the arm of some person. Dear God, what have I done? Had this old guy really done nothing more than to create some sort of complicated organic fertilizer? And right at that moment, my instincts activated and I turned to run. I'd already made it to the door of the shack when my mind started to work again. What the hell was I doing? Should I call the police and what would I tell them? You know, that I broke into his place because I thought he was a serial killer? That he attacked me after that and I killed him in self-defense. Would they even believe me? In, in, in all black? No. 
It was much more likely that they thought I'd broken into his shack, he found me stealing his stuff and I killed him, or hell, that I came in here and I killed him. Now I'd made it no secret to anyone that I had hated him. What should I do? First, I turned off the light in the shack. Was there anybody nearby? There'd been so much noise, and as I watched and I listened, I remembered that no one else lived near enough to have heard anything. The only person who would have heard anything would have been no other than me. I went back inside. I closed the door of the shack and then the window. I checked the wood splintering on the window and tried my best to get rid of it. It made it look as natural as possible. After that, I put everything back that the old man had pushed off the shelves in his onslaught. And finally, there was the old guy himself. Was he really dead? I touched his neck to see if there was any pulse. Then I looked at his head again and wondered what the hell I was even doing. For a while, I wondered what to do, but then I saw his huge fertilizer bags. Old Werner might have been strong, but he was still a scrawny old man. The irony was not missed on me when the old man's body was almost a perfect fit for it. I pushed the bag to the front of the shack and then started to meticulously clean up the blood. First, I wiped up the floor and the workbench. Then I checked every notch and cranny and used one of his many chemicals to get rid of any blood splatters. I checked the whole place multiple times over. I had to make sure there were no blood splatters left anywhere. Only then did I open the door. Once again, I checked the area. Sure, it was dark and not even 30 meters to the cornfield, yet I knew if anyone should see me carrying a bag of fertilizer through his yard the night before he went missing, well, I couldn't risk it. When I was sure that I was completely alone, I sprinted to the edge of the cornfield with the heavy bag over my shoulder, and once I'd made it, I stumbled forward for a few more meters but luckily avoided crashing onto the ground. For a moment, my head was spinning, and I almost passed out from the sheer exhaustion. I rested the bag between the corn stalks and ran back to the shack. The whole place smelled of the chemicals I'd used. Once more, I went through it, using water to clear away the residue of the chemicals. I also closed off the composter in the freezing box. Before I did that, though, I got part of the animal meat, cut it into pieces, and ground it up with the mallet. I added the ground up meat to the composter, and I made sure to leave the bloodied and dirty tool on the workbench. I had to make it look as if it was the last thing the old guy had done. Now at this moment I noticed something else. A notebook was stashed away in a small shelf above the workbench. When I opened it, I found that it contained the old guy's notes on how to create his special type of fertilizer. It was pages upon pages of ingredients with detailed instructions. I skimmed one of the pages and it specified how certain ingredients had to be gathered. On the next one, he clarified that deer meat was best during their mating season, in autumn or early winter. And that must have been the reason for his secret trips. He was getting deer meat for his fertilizer. All he'd been doing was trying to keep his formula a secret. 
Once I was outside again, I closed the padlock, careful not to leave any fingerprints on it. Carrying old Werner's body over to my house took quite a while. Every ten meters or so, I had to take a break. And once I'd made it, I hid the body down in my basement. After that, I went back to the cornfield to make sure there were no tracks or blood splatters anywhere. It was an hour or so before dawn when I was finally done with everything. I was utterly exhausted and pretty much fell into my bed. The next day was a blurry mess for me. I spent most of it in bed, curled up under my blanket. Murder is not something from which you move on with your life. You just can't. It was only in that evening that I remembered his little notebook. Reading through his notes was the only thing that helped me to turn my thoughts away from what I'd done. It's not an understatement that the topic of fertilizer saved my sanity for that day. Now I carefully went over every page. I knew damned well that I'd not be able to turn my harvest around. I might try my luck in the greenhouse though, and if that would be a success, well I would prepare for next year. During the next days, I procured quite a few things. A composter, different fertilizers, chemicals, bone meal, and a variety of other ingredients. One thing I was missing, though, and that I wasn't sure of how to get, was deer meat. But I knew I had a substitute for it in my basement. It was still quite fresh, and most importantly, I had to get rid of it. It was a nasty piece of work, as you can imagine. I almost vomited every couple of minutes. Due to the heat, old Werner's body had been rapidly decomposing. I almost threw up the moment I saw his bloated, squishy corpse. Eventually, though, I got used to it. I grew numb, or I wasn't ready. There is one thing, though. I told myself over and over again that this was not a person. This was a hunk of meat nothing more. Once I cut it up though, it became pieces. The blood, the flesh, the bone, it all became things. And that way, it got easier. I didn't mind anymore. Grinding old man Werner up had become nothing but work in the end. Gruesome work, sure, but still only work. Now it took me the better part of two days, but after that, I ground up the old guy's remains. Finally, I added them to the other ingredients in the composter. It was about a week or so later that the police arrived at my doorstep. I'd never seen an officer like that. Old, tired, and most of all, utterly disinterested in what was going on. He asked me a few questions. The typical, and when have you last seen him? And other similar ones. I answered them truthfully, and the guy said he'd be back if he needed more information. He checked the old man's property, the shack, the house, and the only thing he noticed was that old man Werner must have gone out in the middle of the night. It was clear that this officer didn't give a shit. He didn't care what happened here in this small village. He concluded that the old man must have walked off and vanished in the middle of the night. They did put together a search party, but it was only a few people, and they never found a thing. Old Man Varner became just another name added to the list. After this, his house was put up for sale, but 
no one seemed to show any interest. It's now late in the year and the fertilizer I've created has developed nicely. Six months ago, I upgraded the greenhouse for winter farming, and since then, things have grown well, really well. The tomatoes are big, ripe, and almost bursting with flavor. The old man indeed created a splendid recipe. What's more interesting, though, is that I can't help but notice how fast and strong the plants have grown. They look even healthier than old Verner's. It might be the unique conditions in the greenhouse. To be honest, though, it might be due to my own little addition to the fertilizer. As I'm typing this out, I can't help but laugh at the grim irony of the situation. The one way the old man was able to improve his fertilizer even further was by becoming part of it himself. <laughs>